welcome to the Better Birth podcast. This season we're doing things a little bit different. All of the episodes in this season are positive birth stories. So get comfy and enjoy. Welcome to the Better Birth podcast. Today I'm talking to Louise Charles, who is a personal trainer, a fellow hypnobirthing instructor and also a mum of three. Hi Louise. Hello Erin, thanks for having me. You're welcome. I'm looking forward to hearing your your birth stories. Do you want to introduce yourself a little bit first before we kind of dive into your birth story? I'd love to. Um, so like you said, Erin, I am a personal trainer. I'm also trained as a hypnobirthing instructor. Um, I don't tend to do a lot of that at the moment, though, because I'm really focused on the fitness side of my work. So I work a lot with pre and postnatal women um, and sort of and we take postnatal sort of like well beyond that. So um, I sort of specialize in women's health. Um, and just changing up what fitness means to women, really taking it away from just this weight loss thing and just helping people enjoy fitness, um, help their mental health, just find a little bit of space in their day where they can get away from their children <laughs> and escape themselves. And how are you finding being mum of three? Oh, it's wild, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Full on, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, our babies, our youngest, are very similar ages, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I think Ty's a little bit older than me. But, um, yeah, no one knew there was a global pandemic coming along when we decided to have three <laughs> children, did they? <laughs> I, think it's, um, there's, I think there's silver linings to it, but also being cooped up in a house all day, every day with three children is challenging, to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> I must say I'm really really fortunate that Paul is a critical worker so three or four days every week um, my kids are at school my older two um, and then the other either one or two depending on the week I homeschool yeah but it is a zoo on those days like (laughs) I just they're both on live lessons at the same time and then the other day before 9.30, 9.30, Ziggy had turned the oven on, he'd eaten coal out the fire, oh, I caught God. him licking the toilet seat, um, he'd drawn on his face, it was all before 9.30 in the morning, and I was just like, this is, this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, they keep us on our toes, don't they? <laughs> um, kid, he just wanders around the house going, mummy, daddy, no, we don't have time for you, we've got live lessons. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So um thank you for, for agreeing to tell me um about your birth stories. Um obviously you have a few to pick from, so um feel free to talk about any or or all. Um but um I think it's really important to kind of get out there some some more representations of birth, because as you know, as a hypnobirthing instructor, you know, generally what we get exposed to is really negative. Um, and that's that kind of kind of becomes a self-fulfilling thing, doesn't it? We kind of expect to have that negative birth because that's what we get told birth is like. So I really wanted to kind of record lots of birth stories of different people who have had a positive experience for varying different reasons. Um, and um, in different circumstances, uh, different situations. So do you want to tell me a little bit about your birth stories and why yours were so positive? I'd love to. First of all, I'm going to say something that you're probably going to edit out. But (laughs) I am so pleased you're doing this because I thought about a year ago, I'd love to start a podcast with just positive birth stories because I realised when I was pregnant with Ziggy, my youngest, that there wasn't one out there, really. Mm. I think um, some that woman who has now had to come off all social media and podcasting did one. She had a fallout with her friends or whatever. Um, Cooper, Hemi Cooper, oh, she did Hemi. one. Yeah. But there were, she did, did a few episodes and then cancelled. Um, and there's re- there is space for this out there. And I think it's so important that someone's doing it. And I love that you just picked it up and ran with it, even though you've never listened to a podcast. 
Which is amazing to have such a successful podcast as well. So well done, Erin. Thank you. Put on my back. Thanks for bringing. <laughs> um, I hope you keep that in there. I will keep um, it. Okay. <laughs> um, so I'll start. I've had all my birds have been quite different actually, but they've all been incredibly positive. Um, and if you asked any of my friends, they'd all say, "Oh." it's ridiculous, Louise has loved all of her birth, she really likes giving birth. But when I sort of look at the, um, all the different things that happened in all my births, I think 95% of that comes from mindset um, and the way that I have perceived them um, because they have all been quite different and they've not all been easy, but that doesn't mean I haven't enjoyed them. So I often compare it a bit like running a marathon to yeah. people or, you know, a 10K or something for charity. Most people who've done something like that will say at the end of it, oh my gosh, that was amazing. But what, you know, when you're at your 7K point, if you're doing 10, you probably think I never want to do this again. Yeah. <laughs> because that's the reality of it. But I think if your, your mindset is positive which I think comes from doing hypnobirthing mm -hmm. then it can be a really really enjoyable experience mm -hmm. um so maybe I'll start with I might as well start with my oldest Sienna yeah. um so I Sienna's six years old before I had Sienna um just before I got pregnant my um sister-in-law had done a hypnobirthing course that her local hospital had um organized which is quite rare back then like six years ago um and I'd not really heard of it before until she started to talk about it and saying it was incredible and she had the most amazing birth because of it and then I knew that um Kate Middleton did it when she was pregnant with George she did hypnobirthing so I thought well if it's good enough for Kate <laughs> I'll give it a go so we signed up to a hypnobirthing course but I just want to paint a picture of the person who I was before hypnobirthing came into my life so before I got married to Paul I was quite a party girl um you know I smoked I drank um I partied a lot so I was not afraid to take all the drugs in labor yeah. I was like, this is, I just want the least painful thing, send everything my way, get the baby out. As long as the baby's safe, that's the most important thing. Mm. Um, so when we sort of signed up to this hypnobirthing course, I was fairly nervous and reluctant as to what I was going to come across. Mm. So I actually was taught by Wendy, who owns the little birth company, who we both are sort of um, trained with and part of. Um, and I we rocked up at her house and I think I was expecting to see like some dreadlocked <laughs> um, and he's just like a northern lass and it was immediately I thought oh actually maybe hypnobirthing isn't all about like burning your bra and running around the garden and having a free birth <laughs> um, so that helped <laughs> and then within the first session I was absolutely blown away by the science behind hypnobirthing. Um, and I sometimes actually think that the word hypnobirthing- That was a terrible name. <clears throat> terrible name. Mm. It doesn't help people understand really what it's about, I don't think. Mm. Anyway, that's probably another topic, isn't it? <laughs> um, so we did um, our hypnobirthing course with Wendy and it was split into two sessions and after, the first session, Paul and I decided we wanted a home birth and I wanted Wendy to be there. I wanted her to be our doula, which she was doing at the time. Um, so when we went back to the second session, we asked her if she'd do that and she agreed, so that was super cool. Um, I got really into hypnobirthing. I practiced every single day and I, believed at the time that I fully 100% believed I was going to have an incredible birth. When I look back now, I think there was a little bit of my subconscious, a little bit of my mindset that was still a little bit skeptical. Like I wanted the really good birth, but did I really believe I was going to have it? Yeah. I'm not so sure. Yeah. Um, so 
her I was very sort of confident with like my dates and things like that like I just never I was never concerned all of my friends who'd had babies before had gone over and been induced and I just always said well that doesn't matter because that won't happen to me I might go over but I won't be induced so I was very sort of set in my ways mm -hmm. like that um and I did it actually the day after my expected due date in inverted commas I'm doing um I had a show mm -hmm. in the morning um which was really exciting I know that sounds really gross but I always loved game shows it is exciting like it's like it's happening <laughs> yeah. and I'm gonna there's gonna be a lot of TMI probably in this podcast but when I whenever I got shows they'd like they'd last over like six hours so every time you go to the toilet you're like yes come on my <laughs> cervix is dilating <laughs> and I had like vision of like my cervix getting wider and yeah. the gunk coming out and the baby's head pressing on it and I just get really excited by that probably because of all the tracks and things that you listen to so yeah. like you know I, I still hear that in my head like oh the baby's head is pressing on my cervix <laughs> my baby and all those things um so yeah I had a show and then I went to bed that evening no sort of twinges and things mm. although I did always used to get with Sienna towards the end of the pregnancy like that I can only describe it as a bit of a stabbing feeling in your vagina and mm. I was told that that's your cervix dilating which so I always used to get quite excited when I had that feeling as well I'm really used to call um, those funny daggers <laughs> yeah funny daggers they're like electric shocks yeah. aren't they in the, stabbing in the bit yeah <laughs> <laughs> but like right up the top it's like a yeah. smear test with a needle yeah <laughs> anyone who's not had a baby who's listening to this is going to be like Ooh. oh that's horrible <laughs> it's not that bad um so I went to bed that night we watched Geordie Shore in bed and then I remember at 11 o'clock I turned over and I can only describe this feeling like a champagne cork going off in my tummy <laughs> <laughs> like did you hear that Paul what, what was that and then a like a little trickle came out and I was like oh my god I think my waters just broke but I think what happened is because I was lying on my side mm -hmm. my water broke and her head was so low that she immediately just plugged it mm -hmm. so I only had like a little trickle of water come out yeah but I felt them go it was like a balloon popping inside me and then very quickly maybe three or four minutes later I had my first surge which lasted a minute and was fairly intense and then two minutes later I had another one and two minutes later I had another one and I was like zero to <laughs> what felt like established labour I'm not actually do you know what I've completely forgotten is that the day before this so on my estimated due date I, I saw my midwife and she gave me a sweep mm. because I asked her. Um, and she told me then that I was three and a half centimeters dilated. So I think what what might have been happening is that I was in early labor the, and then when the waters broke, it just Picked immediately up. sped everything up, yeah. Um, so yeah, I got in the bath. We rang Wendy, our doula. Um, and Paul started putting the birthing pool together downstairs. Um, I think I remember sitting actually on in the hallway, bouncing on a ball. And I remember feeling like I didn't expect it to be this intense, this quick. Mm. I remember Paul saying, this isn't what they said would happen at NCT. <laughs> <laughs> they said it would take longer than this. Oh, right, I'll just tell the baby then, shall I, Paul? <laughs> down nct said this wouldn't happen <laughs> um and we so wendy was on her way over but we were also calling triage at royal barks because i'm near reading and no one was answering for probably an hour and a half no one answered the phone and wendy got there and i was like why is no one answering the phone <laughs> we need midwife um and then we rang, well, Wendy rang the main hospital number and they said, oh yeah, sorry, the triage line's not working. How can 
that even happen? And they can't put an answer phone message on. <laughs> God, that's not good. It's so funny when I look back on this, actually. Um, and anyway, the long and short of it was they were really, really busy and they said that they couldn't send any midwives out so I couldn't have a home birth, mm-hmm. um, which I was incredibly disappointed with. And I'd, I'd sort of prepared myself for this to happen because I'd heard on lo- local groups that this was happening a lot. They didn't have a well-established home birth team at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the great website, AIMS, um, which, you know, helps give tell you your rights as a birthing mother um had given some advice that if you just insist and say you're not leaving your house then they have to send someone to you so that's what I did I just Mm -hmm. said well I'm not moving I'm having this baby on my landing um and if you send someone great and if you don't you'll have to send an ambulance because I'm having it here um and this went on for probably two hours of calls like Wendy speaking to the hospital over and over again saying please send a midwife and then um they basically just said we really really can't we've got no one so Paul sort of sat me down and said I really love you and I will support you and Wendy said the same but we would really like you to go to the birthing centre and we've spoken to the Royal Barks and they are willing to open up one of the birthing rooms for you, um, even though they're full, um, and if you will agree to come in. So I sort of reluctantly agreed to go to the hospital. Um, and this was probably about four o'clock in the morning. And I remember trying to get into the car, trying to walk downstairs into the car. I was already making that noise that <sighs> like when you're. <laughs> Yeah. Beginning that um ref- oh, do you know what I haven't taught hypnobirthing for so long, I can't even remember what we call it now. <clears throat> there we go. Yeah. Um beginning to happen. And I remember looking at Wendy and she was <laughs> like, We need to get you in the car. We need to get you in the car now. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, but everything sort of changed a bit in the car. It became more painful and mm. I wasn't coping very um I remember arriving at the hospital this is the funniest bit oh my god I just remembered so we turned up outside the hospital and I had dressing gown on and a thong that was it and my dressing (laughs) gown wasn't tied up because I didn't want a tie around my stomach while it was contracting and I remember walking through the doors (laughs) of the hospital like these bright fluorescent lights just like (laughs) with this dressing gown wide open big pregnant booze bouncing around just like this and I remember these people walking towards us and I was looking at them like what are you looking at (laughs) probably this half naked growling woman (laughs) oh god anyway so thankfully Wendy used to work there at Royal Bar so she knew exactly where we're going we went straight up in the lift I didn't talk to anyone I just walked straight into this birthing suite, got in the bath, um, and everything sort of stopped, slowed down. Um, I think I was sick when we got in there as well. I got this huge rush of adrenaline. And, you know, when you know that now and you look back, that rush of adrenaline made me sick, but that rush of adrenaline also slowed the labour down. Mm. So I got in the bath and things, yeah, really slowed down for a couple of hours, but in some ways I think I needed that mm. everything was so intense I just needed to find my head again to find my breath again <clears throat> yeah. yeah um and then yeah after about three two two or three hours in the bath it was about eight o'clock by then um I also was using gas and air and I was like biting on the mm-hmm. gas and air mm-hmm. and my jaw was so sore mm-hmm. Um, Wendy told me I think you should get out of the bath now Um, and as soon as I stood up out of the bath she was ready to come Um, I think I had like two or three pushes big loud like primal screaming pushes yeah yeah raw Um, and she was out and it was amazing yeah it was yeah 
Interestingly, though, after I had Sienna, I didn't have this, you know, when people say, when you meet your baby, you have this overwhelming sense of love. And mm. I didn't have that when I had her. I loved her and I felt protective over her as her mother, but I didn't, I just, I wasn't experiencing what I thought I would experience. Mm. And when I look back now, I, yeah, I wonder if that was a concern for the midwives actually, because I remember being on the phone to my mum and she, she was wrapped up, like swaddled in a towel, just sat on the edge of the bed. And I was almost the other side of the room. I yeah. couldn't really have been any further from her, just sort of watching her like this. <laughs> I think the intensity of the birth, yeah, of the, 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 I hadn't processed the emotions of it. And I think it took me a while to do that. I think it took me a couple I'm of days. To some extent. I, I really, really think you are. And it, shocked by just the gravity mm. of how incredible our bodies are, mm -hmm. the power of birth. Um, yeah, it was, I felt really, really empowered. I felt like I could take on anything in that moment, mm. even though my jaw hurt and I was really tired. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I could, yeah. And I was just so overwhelmed by that feeling, I think, that I don't think my body could find space for the love yet. Mm. And I don't think people often talk about that. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think it's good too, because I think you, it's not, it, I know a lot of people actually, now when I've spoken to people saying that, well, yeah, I felt like that with my first. Um, and there's no shame in it. And I think it's yeah. quite important to, like if especially when you've done something like hypnobirthing because you've put so much effort into your birth prep um that it's just I think it's important to know not there isn't a right way or wrong way to feel once the baby comes out yeah um, so yeah so that was Sienna um I did I couldn't breastfeed Sienna she didn't she wouldn't latch at all like she just looked at my breast like what is that um we now know actually after I have Monty um the she he had tongue-tie when he was born and I had the woman look at Sienna and she said yeah she's still tongue-tied um and I think it probably depends where you live but in our area the NHS team back then were not particularly good at spotting tongue-tie or dealing with it quickly mm. and the problem is is that you if you, if you're, I mean, with her, she wouldn't latch at all, but then Monty would, but it, once you get to that point where you're in so much pain and you've got blood all over your breasts and nipples, there's not a lot of coming back from it. Yeah. So tongue tight is something that needs to be sorted in this world, I think. Definitely. I think there needs to be more support for breastfeeding mums. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, she was bottle fed. Um, she was a lovely baby. She slept a lot. She was sick a lot. Uh, we didn't realise until she was 15 months, she was actually allergic to dairy. So we know why she was sick a lot now. Um, but she's, yeah, lovely baby. So when she was about three months old, we started trying for another baby. Maybe she might have even been younger than that. Because um, I was just obsessed. I was like, <laughs> babies are amazing. I need loads of them. Um, and I'd also had fertility treatment to get pregnant with... Sienna and we'd taken um clone clomid mm -hmm. I can't remember what it's um which helps you ovulate so I was concerned I did I really didn't want Sienna to be an only child so we thought let's crack on while I'm still in my early 30s um so we tried for like a month or two naturally and then I ended up going back on the medication and the second cycle I fell pregnant again um so I, I hypnobirthing was very fresh in my mind and I started practicing again and listening to tracks really early on in my pregnancy, like before I was even three months. Mm -hmm. And I listened to tracks and positive affirmations every single day. And at this point as well, interestingly, I think now I've got more perspective on what happened in my first birth. But at this point, I only had incredible memories of it 
I was like, birth's amazing. I'm built to birth. I'm going to like, I just felt so sure that A, I was going to have Monty at home, no matter what it took. But B, it was going to be incredible because it's always easier the second time. Mm. And, and I was just so confident. Mm. Um, he like was a yeah it was a good pregnancy I basically ate my way through it I put on a lot of weight um and then right at the end of my pregnancy at about 36 weeks I was told by my midwife that the home birth team that was supposed to have been established hasn't been yet and it's very unlikely that I will get a home birth um oh and that, yeah I remember another reason why so after I had Sienna I lost a, quite a lot of blood um and but when they gave me the syntosin to release the placenta I stopped bleeding immediately um and the placenta passed so they were my NHS midwife was very nervous about me having a home birth because of that as well and she was saying you're more at risk of it happening again and I was like well I think it only happened because I was in hospital and because I didn't have the injection which I'm saying I'd be willing to do if I started bleeding again and Anyway, they sent me to a consultant who said, who put the fear of God into me saying, you know, it's so much more dangerous. And I said, well, that's not what the studies show. And she said, well, they're just studies. <laughs> you're, a doc- you're a doctor. Is that not what we go by? Yeah, um, so, research. <laughs> yeah, so she wrote on my notes, she, I will allow her to have a home birth if there's a ambulance present. And by this point, I was like, you won't allow me to do anything. I'll have the baby where I want to have the baby. Um, And I was also, and then at the same time, this is when I was hearing that the home birth team wasn't established properly. Um, So I signed myself off NHS care. We got a loan and I got a private midwife because it was going to be my last baby and I was absolutely determined I was going to have the birth I wanted to have um so it cost four thousand pounds and that's great well it's not great but when you're getting the care through that the whole pregnancy you can justify it a bit but we were getting like the last four weeks I was hoping we get a discount but we didn't (laughs) but it was I'm so pleased I did it because I had this lovely midwife who Wendy knew so I was also having Wendy at the birth again um, and this private midwife who was just so cool and calm and nothing phased her. She delivered breech babies. She delivered babies that were 30 days overdue. She was just not phased by anything. Um, and which was good because although I was so sure that Monty would come early because Sienna came on her estimated due date, he was he went I think 14 days over so when I got to about 12 days over all my friends and family were getting very tetchy and nervous Mm. and my midwife was like it's fine he'll come when he's ready and she was coming to see me every day she was observing he had a healthy heart rate I felt good so we just didn't really worry Mm. um and then day before so on like day 13 over I asked her to give me a sweep and I think I didn't really it wasn't the sweep I was interested in I wanted to know if I was dilating yeah. I needed something just to <laughs> tell me that this was going to happen mm. um and I was I she said I was four centimeters so similar to how I was with Sienna mm. but I was, haven't felt anything um I went and had some acupuncture and I walked into the room and just cried and cried and cried. And I remember saying to her, I'm going to be pregnant forever. <laughs> she was like, I, I promise you, you won't. And I was like, I really think I might be the one person who is. <laughs> I'd like lost all perspective on it. Every day felt like a year when you're at that point. And, um, and also I, I was getting that feeling that people were going to start pressuring me yeah. to get it. And I really, really didn't want it. Mm. Anyway, I, when I had the acupuncture, she said to me, I think you're in labour now. I think you're in early labour. You're just not feeling it. Mm. Um, anyway, I went home. This was a Friday night. 
Saturday morning I woke up and I had really bad diarrhea which I'd actually had in early labor with Sienna as well mm. so I thought mm, maybe this could be the start of something so and I had really mild cramping um so I rang my mum and said can Sienna come round to yours um just because I think if we don't have her in the house then I can relax more and we'll see if you know and so she Sienna went round to theirs and we I started feeling like I was getting tightenings but they were like Braxton Hicks tightenings there was no pain at all mm. um so I rang Wendy and the doula and the midwife and they both had the same advice. They were like, watch a funny movie with Paul. Just chill out, watch a movie, bounce on your ball a bit and we'll yeah. call us back in a few hours. So we watched the wedding crashes <laughs> and I was sort of lying on my side for a bit and I could sort of feel tightenings, but they weren't, I couldn't time them and there was zero pain or discomfort. Mm. It was just tightenings. Mm. So it got to about midday and Paul said, do you mind if I go to Greg's and get some lunch? Cause I don't feel like anything's happening here. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah. Sent him this list of what I wanted. Um, and then it's like a 10 minute walk away. He was gone 15 minutes. By the time he came back, I was bent over the kitchen side <laughs> like this with really strong surges. So it was about half 12 by this point. And I called the midwife and asked her to come round um and he came back with this food he's like oh I got you this I'm like get that out my face it stinks <laughs> he's like, oh my god like 20 minutes ago you wanted this and I was like don't eat that in front of me like this egg ham baguette thing and my body had just gone in the zone I just didn't need his grubby little silly Greg's near me <laughs> I'm, an, I'm horrible in labor I think to Paul bless him <laughs> So anyway, he then took his smelly Greggs and went and set up the birthing pool. And the midwife and Wendy got there about the same time, about 20 past one, quarter past one, something like that. And I was happily talking away to them, sort of leaning over my birthing ball. I'd stop talking when I had a contraction, but again, no real discomfort. Mm. Um, and I, was, I remember saying to them, oh, this, we're in this for ages. Because I knew that when I had Sienna and my contraction started, they were so intense and it was mm. like, boom, boom, boom. So I was expecting that level. And I thought, oh God, we're, this baby isn't coming till like the middle of the night. And I remember them both saying to me, I think, I think you're further on than you think you are. And I was like, nah. And they said, why don't you get in the pool? And I was like, no, I really want to wait till it hurts so that I feel the benefit of the pool. Mm. Um, and then anyway, Wendy convinced me to get in the pool. I got in the pool and 20 minutes later he was born. Oh God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, I don't even like, I don't really remember feeling any big contractions. I don't remember feeling any intensity. They, they weren't regular. I just remember feeling, I, I remember saying actually, I don't want to do this. <laughs> anymore I don't I don't really want to do this and, and then Wendy said that's because the baby's coming now Louise and I was like no it's going to be ages <sighs> and then I literally had two pushes and again they were like roars yeah and I, I remember Catherine the midwife saying stop shouting Louise Louise you need to calm down stop shouting and I I didn't feel like I was shouting. It was just the noise I needed to make to birth the yeah. baby. Um, and he came, he actually came out half in his waters as well. So as oh, his head wow. came out, he had his waters and then they broke as he his body came out. Yeah. Um, and it was, yeah, it was amazing. And then I didn't, I didn't have the injection to release the placenta. It just came on its own, probably 10 minutes later. Um, while I was in the pool it was just um, an amazing amazing experience mm. it happened so quick that the second midwife hadn't even arrived um, so by the time she arrived I was lying on the sofa and Monty had latched mm. um, which was the most incredible feeling in the world after thinking I, I 
it was something wrong with me that I can't breastfeed like it was something wrong with my nipples and then to have a baby attached that felt really really cool um yeah it was it that was it was just amazing and then they the midwives all and Wendy cleared up they left a few hours later and by five o'clock six o'clock we were sat eating an Indian takeaway, drinking champagne, holding our baby at home. Like, why doesn't everyone home birth? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> it was really, really cool. Yeah, I look back on that birth and I just, oh. and I, I was just like, everyone needs to experience this. Yeah. This, like, it wasn't, a, like I've watched a lot of videos of hypnobirths and where women like hum their baby out or are completely silent mm. and it wasn't like that mm. it was really noisy and I'd imagine if people if someone was watching it or it was videoed and you'd not you don't understand that fear that like feeling of the baby coming out and that roar it might sound like I was in pain or mm. extreme discomfort but it wasn't it was more primal than that um yeah, yeah. that was cool so then fast forward, <coughs> Ziggy, he's my third. I wasn't expecting to have Ziggy because um, we have fertility treatment for the other two. Um, but he was a surprise. Um, and he, I, yeah, I really enjoyed my pregnancy with Ziggy. I didn't enjoy my other two pregnancies really. Um, and I loved his, I really focused on my health, my nutrition and fitness. I carried on training throughout my pregnancy, which I didn't do with the others. Um, I just felt really, really good while I was pregnant. Um, he, the home birth team was really well established, which was good because there was no way we could afford a private midwife that time. Um, but we did say that I just can't compromise. I have to have Wendy there. She's yeah. been at the other two births and she was just so important to me that she was there. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, well, so we, Ziggy's was a bit strange because he went like 12 days past the estimated due date again, but I get, I had such a cool midwife. She was really experienced and she was like, I'm not worried. If you're not worried, I'm not worried. You feel good. We're turning up every day. We're checking you like that. You know, she was at no point did she say, well, we need to talk about induction or anything. Um, so then like on the 12th day over my estimated due date, I, I'd been having contractions all day, but like Braxton Hicks with a bit of discomfort mm. for like 12 hours regularly as well. So I'd already warned Wendy and the midwives that that was happening, but it was, it didn't seem to be getting any didn't seem to be going anywhere it, you know at four o'clock in the afternoon it was at the same level it was at nine in the morning and I was still getting on with my day I was cooking for the kids we were just went to bed that night and as I started falling asleep it was getting more intense so the midwife has said to me because my birth was so quick with Monty when you feel it start getting intense you need to let us know quickly because you know we've got to come to you and there's a bit more to organize so I rang the midwife who was on duty, who wasn't my actual midwife. And she said to me, okay, we'll get your doula there and then call me back in an hour if you think it's getting more intense. Wendy arrived within about half an hour and everything stopped. Mm. And when I look back now, I really think it's because I desperately wanted to have my midwife at my birth. And I knew she wasn't on duty and my body was just saying we can hold on <clears throat> yeah and I knew she was going on duty the next day mm. anyway Wendy turned up bless her and it sat on the end of my bed and I was like I I feel so bad I've got you all the way out here and I don't I don't have a contraction now yeah and she was like don't worry about it so I set her up in the spare room and I said I'll come and wake you up if anything happens Paul was still asleep and then we all woke up in the morning at like eight o'clock and I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Bye, have a bacon sandwich and on your way. <laughs> she didn't, she's a vegetarian, but anyway, um, <laughs> she went off. And then the next 
day I was having contractions all day long like I'd had a show um but nothing was happening it was like I could breathe through all of them I remember we sat down for a roast dinner and I just every two minutes I just stand up and sh- wobble a bit and the kids would be like what are you doing and I was like oh I'm just in a bit of discomfort because the baby's coming <laughs> um anyway, we went to bed that night and about midnight they were get my contractions were getting quite a, a lot more intense but I was reluctant to call anyone I, because I wanted to just deal with it on my own to make sure I was, it was going to happen mm. about 1am I rang Wendy um, and I said I really think this is it now and the and the midwives so they all came the pool was already set up because we'd set it up the day before um so I woke Paul up about um two and then I it was quite intense before I got in the pool so that was probably about quarter to three something like this Um, my midwife suggested I got in the pool so I was thinking yeah this will be like last time 20 minutes baby's gonna be out and the kids were upstairs asleep and I remember saying to Paul he was sort of like sat on the sofa and I remember saying to him he said should we call your parents and I was like no look if the baby's not here by five o'clock let's call them but otherwise let's just you know see what happens mm-hmm. but I, when I look back now I think all of these conversations I was having were taking me out of my birthing yeah. brain and into the sort of logistics of what you know I'd set a timer yeah. and said to myself the baby needs to be out yeah. um and then basically um everything slowed down I got a bit weird like I'd have a contraction then I wouldn't have one for 10 minutes and then I'd have three back to back um and I was in I was feeling so much discomfort in my back um and I kept lying back in the birth pool so I didn't want to be in like an upward mm-hmm. um position and I can remember Wendy looking at me saying are you okay is, is everything feeling all right and I was like yeah yeah I'm good <laughs> and then about 45 minutes later I was like this doesn't seem right does it Wendy and she was like how do you feel <laughs> I was like yeah it feels like labor stalling like something's not mm. right and I was like what do you think I can do and she's she's you know said say try and stay forward and upright um and then she said you might want to get out of the pool because we maybe gravity needs to do something maybe try and go for a wee I did those things and then one of the younger midwives came in she was quite newly qualified and she said would you like me to take a look and check baby's position um so I'd never had vaginal examinations in labor but she was like it's completely up to you but it might just be that baby's head isn't quite in the right position Mm. um also my um Ziggy had been breech leading up to the birth and had turned like at 39 weeks so I think everyone was just thinking shall we just make sure there's no feet poking out <laughs> and I got down and she examined me and she said I can feel his face so basically he instead of the top of his head on my, his, my cervix his nose and mouth were there and she said this is why it's slowed down because the top of his head needs to be on there to provide enough pressure mm-hmm. and basically you're just contracting and not getting anywhere so she said here's some things you can try you can get onto an all fours position um and I was like I'm tired and by this point I'd lost it because I was like oh my god I've had two amazing births and now this is the one I'm going to transfer to hospital I'm going to have a c-section everything's going to be ruined oh my god I'm devastated um at this point I'm on all fours I was like give me some gas and air I need something because I had, I completely lost it. I was panicking, I was crying. And suddenly I was in a lot of pain as well. Um, I think I was probably in transition because I think as soon as I got onto all fours, he just went whoop. And I, cause she'd also told me I was only six centimeters. And I was like, what? I'm six centimeters before I'm in labor. How dare you say that? <laughs> I think his, his head moved and and yeah. I said, I, I was on the gas and air, and then I said, I need the toilet. 
like I felt like I needed a poo. And my midwife said, well, that's great. Let's go to the toilet. I went to the toilet and then I remember saying to her, I was holding onto the towel rail and I was like, I just feel like I really need to thrust my pelvis forward. She's like, well, do it then. Listen to what your body's saying. So I did. And with that, I just went, and she was like, okay, let's get out of the toilet. Let's get out of the toilet. I sort of walked into the other room, five yards, held onto the mantelpiece, roared. Like, cause by this point I was like, if he's in the right position, he's coming. I am going to get him out. And I was like, I was not waiting for some reflex. I was going to push with everything I had to get him out. And I literally squatted down, roared like a tiger <laughs> and pushed him out. And the poor midwife behind me, it was like a tsunami <laughs> of waters all over her. Out popped Ziggy and behind him, like you've never seen waters like it. She was covered. Oh. Um, and she sort of just passed him through to me and there he was. So from the time they said I was six centimetres from him being born, I think it was probably four minutes. Wow. It was rapido. Wow. Yeah. It was, and yeah, and it was, that was about 6 a.m. And then about half an hour later, Paul went and woke the kids up and said, oh. we've got something upstairs. And they went, is it a doggy? <laughs> <laughs> remember mummy's having a baby (laughs) (laughs) funny (laughs) that's amazing it just goes to show like really well yeah they're all quite different all quite different but equally I enjoyed them all I mean I actually I probably enjoyed Monty's more but I like that there were challenges in the others, but mm. they were still enjoyable. Isn't it interesting though, like knowing what you know now and kind of looking back and kind of analysing what happened and, and being you know, a hypnobirthing instructor and knowing what happens, you know, and what can affect labour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it is. I think that then gives you sort of the perspective. Sorry, I'm going to move my laptop downstairs because I'm in Paul's office. I think he's got a meeting at eight. Um, yeah, I think when you know that stuff as well, or when you just have take the time to think about your birth story and what happened when, I think it can be... I actually think it's really important as well. I think in a lot of other cultures, they actually debrief after your birth quite a lot. Um, and I think a lot of the time we don't do that. Um, a lot of people share horror stories after their birth. Um, but like you said, we don't share good experiences or just different experiences. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it feels good to talk about your birth, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I think it is. Yeah, it's, and it's, it is, and it's nice. It's a nice thing to do to kind of, you know, record your birth story, particularly straight after birth or soon after birth, before you kind of start to forget the details so that you can look back on it. It's nice to have that record. Have you done yours? I have, I wrote mine down, yeah. Cause, um, Cause if I tried to re- recount my birth stories now, I probably would forget quite a lot of detail. Um, but, Do you think uh, your listeners hear it though? Yeah, that's true. Maybe I should record mine actually, particularly ties. Want me to interview you? Yeah, that's a fantastic idea. Yeah, because I feel I, you should... I, I, one of the reasons I haven't recorded mine is I feel silly just kind of like t- just talking to myself. Yeah, <laughs> I get that. Yeah, I'll do that for you definitely. Okay, let's do that. That's a good idea. We'll schedule something in and then I can record mine. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, I'll let uh, thank you so much, Louise, for, for sharing your birth stories. I, it, it's so nice to hear like three, all three different births all you know all positive but you know looking back and kind of being able to analyze that I think is really interesting you know as a hypnobirthing instructor I could kind of when you're when you were talking I kind of I I could pinpoint you know why things went a certain way it's it's interesting Mm. um but yeah I think it's gonna I think this is gonna be a really lovely episode for people to listen to um just because there's so much information in there and and it is you know they are really positive examples of birth 
Um, I think one of the most powerful things I did in particularly Monty's and Ziggy's um, pregnancies was watch birth videos yeah. and listen to birth yeah. stories. Like I immersed myself in birth. I was obsessed. Like it, I did, yeah, it was so, um, I actually just did on, on Saturday night, I did a workshop online about manifesting um, that this blogger was doing. And in mm -hmm. fact, Wendy's doing one in a few weeks, which I'm also gonna do. Um, and when I was listening to that, it made me think a lot about hypnobirthing and why hypnobirthing works and why hypnobirthing seems to work more for some people than others. And what, I think it would be really interesting to a study in how much you immerse yourself into the different aspects of the preparation. Mm -hmm. Because for me, I think that the affirmations and mantras and completely immersing myself in positive birth stories, it really did alter yeah. the files in my yeah. subconscious brain. Yeah. And I believe that birth is an amazing safe thing to do. And not many people believe that. And I think that makes a really, really big difference. But do you know what's so exciting as well is that your children and my children and anyone else who does hypnobirthing, their children will believe that birth is an amazing positive thing, girls and boys. And that will change the world. It will change their birthing experience, their friends' birthing experiences, their children's. And that it's just so cool that. Yeah. Yeah. It's changing mindset culturally, isn't it? With that snowball mm. effect and kind of tipping that balance. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Louise. I really appreciate your time. Um, and yeah, we'll have to book thank in the time sometime to record mine as yeah. well. You let me know, maybe when the kids go back to school, right? Yeah. You'll be like, it's not this time. <laughs> I don't know how you get done everything you do. You blow my mind. You're just like on it. And you've got three kids at home. It's, it's breastfeeding, breastfeeding and doing everything on your phone. <laughs> wow. You're superwoman. Oh, thank you. I'm really not. <laughs> Okay, I'll take care and I'll speak to you soon. Take care, Erin. Bye.